0: everyone. This is Regina. Hi horse lovers, this is Lynn. This week on the Horse Industry Podcast. Okay, Lynn, we've covered a lot of really fun topics through the Horse Industry Podcast through the almost 2 years that we've been doing this amazing job. What? 2 years? Almost. That's crazy. Yeah. We've done horses, we've done topics. This is the first time that we're actually doing a facility. And this is a facility that is obviously very special to me. It's Expo Square in Tulsa, Oklahoma. There are few feelings as special as seeing the Golden Driller when you get into Tulsa and thinking, Whew, "We've made it." It's
1: it's hollow ground. Oh, absolutely. Or the anticipation of crossing through St. Louis. Yes. And, you know, seeing the big bridge the and the arch, and you're like, okay, yeah, we're halfway there. there. Tulsa. Yeah. Yeah. And to me, Gina, and you and I have talked about this too, to me, Tulsa is not a city. It's the Expo Square.
0: <laughs> right. For people like us, it's hollow ground. Absolutely. It's hollow ground. When you get there, you have a sense of, you know, the year before we were in these stalls or that farm is usually in that aisle. And I can tell you, I can tell you the exact location of where my Miss Pinot of America take pictures were taken outside the pavilion. There's even certain spots inside of. Expo Square themselves, where memories have made. I mean, you know which camping spot you had last year or the year before. You know where your favorite vendors. Are. I even think about the different stores and restaurants outside of Expo Square. The dry cleaner, the dry cleaner, Fox Cleaners—that's inside of Expo Square too.
1: Yeah. No, nobody got the jeans starched heavier than there was a little dry cleaner kind of down and around the corner that we yeah. used to go to. Gina, my kids were raised at Expo Square.
0: It's like a home away from home. We
1: got a puppy there that lived to be like 18 years old that came. I mean, we met the people at Expo Square. So like one year we were there, we had a puppy. Wow. I mean, it's just those memories. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that all of our listeners that have an opportunity to show
0: in Tulsa at Expo Square have lifelong memories from that facility. Yeah. I mean, you think about different practice runs. I can think of the different horsemanship practice runs I made in this one particular covered practice pen and it was terrible. And then (laughs) I mean, you just, I can remember moments in these different areas. Like I said, it's hollow ground. You know, I'm not, I'm not that old, but I've been going there for decades and it's like a pilgrimage to go back home to Expo Square in you also note small changes when you go back from year to year. It's like, oh, look, there's a new gas station on that corner. Or, oh, look, Whataburger painted their parking lot. I mean, you just note different things. Oh my God,
1: how many late night Whataburgers
0: (laughs) did we eat because
1: nothing else was open and you just like, oh, let's get a Whataburger. But we don't have Whataburger in the Midwest. So like, it's kind of like a treat for us.
0: Oh, completely. And again, it's those special memories that you make year after year after year. And I can still, if I close my eyes, I can smell the dirt of Expo Square outside the Ford Arena and the Mustang arena. and i can I can hear the sounds of the big fans and the HVAC units and the announcers. I mean, you can just feel the announcer's voice vibrating through your body as they're calling first call and second call. And the horse clanks along the cement going down the main aisle heading down to Ford Arena. Oh, it's just goosebumps even thinking about it.
1: Well, and I think about too, like, so where we always stalled, there's a restroom right there. Mm-hmm. And it, I would, I never had a trailer there to change my clothes. And so I always change my clothes in that restroom. And I remember the agony of defeat and the thrill of victory from that bathroom, <laughs> like getting dressed and looking at the mirror and is my hair and makeup perfect? And then coming back absolutely devastated <laughs> and drawing the tears off my face in front of that same mirror. Isn't that funny? Is that when Wilson dumped you? He didn't actually dump mm. me, but I I was leading the nation in Western pleasure, amateur Western pleasure. This is for Palomino, Not, right? Yeah, for Palomino. It was actually novice amateur Western pleasure. I was leading the nation, I had a fabulous run in my first cut, and I had to go right back in into the finals. And Zippo's lucky dude was his name, and my friend Carol will remember this well. He just was just done. He was a butthead. <laughs> he was kicking out. He was biting the horses in front. He was just done. It was air conditioning here. He'd given me one good go. He was done. Like I had to go in the middle of the pen and just oh. sit there. Oh. I was so mad at that horse. I was so mad at him. But anyway, and when I think about it now, right, we can laugh about it. But right. it's so everybody's had like again the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat from that amazing facility that is Tulsa to us.
0: Oh, Lila, she was going around. It was back to our previous episode of injured horses and Plan B. We were supposed to go to Pinnell World. In at Expo Square, and she was supposed to show Blue, her scent-certified horse. Well, again, he had the hock injury from that episode. So she ends up going there with Willow, appealing Rose, the horse that she shows now. I think one of the very first classes that she went in, she needed a hand gallop. And so she's having a great go. Heather and I are super happy with it. And they call for a hand gallop. And we notice that Lila starts leaning to the side during the hand gallop. And she keeps going further and further. And now the saddle is going. And Heather stands up and she's like, Lila, just stop in the hand gallop. Neither of us tighten the girth. Me, Heather, Lila. So it wasn't you that got dumped. Lila did a graceful dismount at her first world show (laughs) in, I think it was English Pleasure. You talk about the agony of defeat. But there was a life lesson there. Always tighten your girth. (laughs) Always. Now Heather and I have this running joke that whenever she goes in any class, is her girth tightened? But so what did we do? She dismounted. Of course, they stopped the class, which for a young girl is traumatizing. It's a fishbowl. It's a fishbowl. And it was traumatizing. Now we all know we've all been there. I mean, every single person who shows a horse has had that moment in that show pen. She gets off, she walks out, she looks mortified. We go back to the stall, we get in the car and we go eat a bunch of pizza at Andolini's. So, you know, there there are those memories. And then, of course, later on, you know, she comes home with a couple buckles. So it, it is, it's that roller coaster, but all those emotions happen in that special hollow ground facility.
1: Right, so Gina, I have to give you all the credit for this because you—this was really your idea to research the Expo Square and and what's going on behind the scenes. Like, it's not just a building without it isn't.
0: I had I had the opportunity to talk with Brandi Herndon. She's the agribusiness business manager at Expo Square, and Lynn, I'm excited to share my interview with her and our listeners. But I do want to give a little bit of background on Expo Square first. So I'm going to give you some background, and then we're going to go ahead and run that interview that I had with Brandy. And oh, it was such a it was such an honor to speak with her. So when I called Expo Square for research, I spoke to a couple of people on the phone first before I actually got to Brandy. And one of them recommended that I get a book called Images of America, Tulsa State Fair by Amanda Bretz. It was published in 2010. It's a super cool little book a lot of it is pictures. And then underneath the pictures, there's kind of a description of what you're seeing in that picture. I think what was so shocking to me, and and of course, we know this from just common sense, is that Expo Square, it transformed before my eyes in that book, because there was literally nothing surrounding Expo Square in the early days. It was dirt and trees. And scrub brush, and you look at it and you're like, wait, well, that's where Target is now, and that's where the the Walmart is, and it's just the houses and everything you think of Expo Square is just surrounded. It's like in the city. It is in the city to me. But you look at the pictures, and it's it's truly shocking how empty the area is around it. So I I really enjoyed. Looking at it. And the majority of the information that comes from what I'm going to share with you comes from Brett's book, Tulsa State Fair. So it all started in the 1890s. There was a free fair located in downtown Tulsa and it was pretty successful. So in 1913, 15 acres on the east-northeast side of downtown Tulsa were deemed a more appropriate location for this fair as the fair grew. And it stayed at this location for about 13 years. Then in 1926, which if you think about it, here comes that math thing, almost a 100 years ago, and I'm kind of pumped because we're going to be around for the Expo Square 100-year anniversary Awesome. Yeah. It's just in a few years. So in 1926, almost 100 years ago, 240 acres were provided by J.E. Crosby to create its current day location. J.E. Crosby, I looked him up. He was, he was kind of a jack of all trades. I would say a wealthy jack of all trades. He, of course, was an early Tulsa oilman. He was a banker and, of course, a real estate developer in the Tulsa area. So then, so we get it established, Expo Square is now on these 240 acres where it still is today. And then in 1931, there was a bond issued to provide the money to build the beautiful, special Art Deco Pavilion that still stands today. And that Art Deco Pavilion is, you know, personally where I started my my memories and my life at Expo Square. It is truly truly beautiful. The pavilion around the top if you if you take the time to look has these intricate ornate gorgeous agricultural scenes. There's livestock heads and flowers and if you look it up online you can see those images, but of course if you do go to Expo Square, make sure that you take the time to look at those. When I first started attending nationals or what's now the world shows at Expo Square, this was the one and only show pen. And of course, it still stands. But now the majority of us use those Ford and Mustang arenas as the primary show pens. But there's usually classes in the old pavilion as well. In fact, when we were at Penn World a couple of years, that's where all the trail was was written, and it's still it's still just a super majestic building. And Tulsa really seems to love and embrace and want to keep that pavilion as top notch as possible. You know, I can picture the art, Mm -hmm. I
1: can picture the scenes. I wish I had paid more attention to the detail after doing this episode.
0: Oh, and I will. I'll be back. Yeah, you have to go take a peek because it is. It's. I just don't know if. We do that type of beautiful work anymore when it comes to, I mean, if you think about the new arena, even, I mean, even major baseball fields, who who does that special attention to the details anymore? And that's why we have to make sure that we preserve architectural buildings like that. Because it's special. Okay. So then in 1935, the facility transitioned, the entire Expo Square, and Brandy calls it a campus. So in 1935, that campus transitioned from a free fair to state fair status. Like many cities, facilities, and institutions, World War II actually shuttered Expo Square for a couple of years. It was empty from 1941 to 1943, but it came back in 1944. Animals and the Professional Rodeo Cowboy Association – that's the PRC, showed up around 1949 to 1953 at Expo Square. In 1966, the International Petroleum Exposition Center was built. Now, this is that ginormous building that's kind of behind the Golden Driller. Do you know what I'm talking about? That great big long building? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes. So that was called the IPE Center from 1966 until 2007. And it's gone through a few name changes since then, and right now it's called the SageNet Center, and that name transition just happened last fall in 2021. So that is kind of right behind that giant golden driller. So now we've got to talk about the golden driller before we get to my interview with Brandy. So speaking of the golden driller, there are few signs that indicate your arrival to a showgrounds as much as the welcoming sight of the bare-chested golden driller at Expo Square. He is the sixth tallest statue in the United States of America. According to the website... Atlas Obscura, the golden driller, is a monument to honor the workers of the petroleum industry in the former oil capital of the world. So Tulsa was once called the oil capital of the world the IPE was built to host the International Petroleum Exposition. This was a fair that exhibited the latest innovations in oil technology and was held in various locations in Tulsa throughout the mid-20th century. The massive golden driller statue was created for the Expo's 1953 celebration. He wore a tin helmet, on his head and rested his right hand on an oil derrick that was relocated from a depleted oil field. The statue became so popular among oil enthusiasts that it was temporarily recreated and re-erected in 1959, and then it was permanently erected seven years later after an anatomical redesign and a boost in height. By 1979, the Golden Driller was actually abandoned by its manufacturer, the Mid-Continent Supply Company, and it was slated for demolition. No. Right? As neglect and bullet holes destroyed what the visual elegance <gasps> it once Bad was. neighborhood bullet Ooh, holes? Really? Right. How'd that happen? Well, the city of Tulsa came to save the day and the city of Tulsa preserved the Golden Driller and made it the official state monument of Oklahoma. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. The Golden Driller has also been named one of the top 10 quirkiest destinations in the United States. He is made of miles of cables, rods, and mesh inside of him. The Golden Driller weighs 43,000 pounds. He is 76 feet tall. He has a 45 foot wide belt. Now that belt, the buckle itself, it originally said mid-continent because that's who had erected it originally, but it was changed to Tulsa in 1979. So if you look at his buckle, next time you go to Expo Square, it says Tulsa on his buckle. He wears a 393 double D shoe and a size 112 hard hat. He has withstood a lot, as we said, bullet holes, bad weather, vandalism, and he was even shot in the back with an arrow. (laughs) (laughs) He was built to withstand winds up to 200 miles an hour, and he was repainted in 2011 with mustard-colored paint that should last for at least 100 years. Can you imagine painting that? No. At his base, there's a plaque that reads, The Golden Driller, a symbol of the International Petroleum Exposition, dedicated to the men of the petroleum industry who, by their vision and daring, have created from God's abundance a better life for mankind. In recent years, people have actually begun painting shirts on him to reflect local events. You can see some of those if you like Google it and look it up online. And he also wore a mask during the pandemic. Oh, my goodness. There's also typically a... But was he vaccinated? (laughs) Sorry. We gotta look for ginormous needle <laughs> holes. <laughs> so there's typically a snow cone stand at his feet in the summer. And so, and actually I can tell you right now, if I ask Lila where she wants to go to a horse show, she wants to go to any horse show there is at Tulsa so she can go to that snow cone stand. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's one of her special memories. So that's kind of the background to Expo Square. And now I am excited to share with you my interview with. Brandy Herndon. I can't wait. Brandy, first, I just want to thank you for being with us today. Welcome to the Horse Industry Podcast.
2: Thank you so much for having me. It's a great opportunity.
0: As Lynn and I were talking, we have so many wonderful memories from being at your facility. And the purpose of this episode is to kind of give our listeners, many of who have been to Expo Square or may go to Expo Square in the future, kind of an inside look as to what it means to be you, what it means to work at Expo Square. And so first of all, if you would kind of Start off with sharing with us what is your job at Expo Square and how did you get started?
2: Okay, yeah, I am the Chief Agribusiness Officer for Expo Square, home of the Tulsa State Fair. And so my position oversees the Agribusiness Department, which then oversees all of the Agribusiness events that we host here at Expo Square, as well as all of our Agribusiness events during our annual Tulsa State Fair. So that consists of mainly horse shows throughout mm-hmm. our non-fair season. We have dog shows that we host throughout the year and we'll have a few other livestock related events. And then during the Tulsa State Fair, obviously our livestock and horse shows along with anything that is agricultural rate related. So our ag education exhibits, as well as our 4-H and FFA competitive exhibits, which consist of Anywhere from ag mechanics to crops to photography, etc.
0: What time uh, of year is the Tulsa State Fair real quick?
2: Actually, Tulsa State Fair is fast approaching. We're <laughs> uh, 30 days away, but this year, September 29th through October 9th. Okay. We always start the fourth Thursday after Labor Day, and we are an 11-day fair.
0: Awesome. Fantastic. Did you grow up in Oklahoma? Where'd you grow up? I did not.
2: I actually grew up in Fort Collins, Colorado, on an equine reproduction ranch, Royal Vista, that my dad and my stepmom started. And oh my gosh! Also raised-
0: Tell us a little bit about that. What's it like to grow up on an equine reproduction farm?
2: Oh, it was it was exciting all the time. <laughs> uh, it was a great opportunity. I, my dad has since passed, but just so proud of all the things that he accomplished within the industry, mainly the quarter horse and the quarter horse racing industry. They also had a, a ranch here in Wayne, Oklahoma, mm-hmm. uh, Rolla Vista Ranches, where they expanded their business since sold that, but it was a neat upbringing. But we also raised, my family raised purebred Simmental cattle, and I did grow up showing horses and 4-H at a young age. However, my love was really the cattle side of things. And so I grew up very passionate about the cattle industry and showing and had the opportunity to show on a regional national level throughout my junior career. I was also very involved in livestock judging, and I got a scholarship to judge at Connor State College in Warner, Oklahoma. So I judged there two years and then transferred to Oklahoma State University where I finished with my bachelor's in agribusiness. And honestly, upon graduation, I didn't necessarily really have it all figured out what I really wanted to do, and honestly thought I was going to take a year, take deep breath, and was really interested in going to law school. Is actually what I thought. A job came available here at Expo Square as the Tulsa State Fair Entry Coordinator. And I was like, "Oh man, that'll be fun!" Until so I figure out everything that I want to do, and then twenty years later, <laughs> I'm here at Expo Square, and it became a career path for me. So.
0: Sounds like a good fit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, talk a little bit about what is the horse industry impact on Expo Square? You know, and again, as you share, there's a number of different events that happen at Expo Square. You've mentioned, you know, a dog show, even lots of different livestock shows. When we think about Expo Square, in my mind, when we go to the facility, It just seems like one great big giant horse show. What is the horse industry impact on Expo Square?
2: It's huge. As you can imagine, you've seen our calendar and the National World Championship Horses in Scope and all the individuals we're bringing from all over the country and really some of these shows around the world. The impact for Expo is huge, but I would say more so for Tulsa and the community of Tulsa millions and millions of dollars annually, as far as economic impact numbers go. And we're we really pride ourselves as being an economic engine for Tulsa, this region and the state of Oklahoma.
0: Well, I can tell you that one of my daughter's very favorite pizza places on the entire planet is the one just down the road from Expo Square. And the name of it right now escapes me. But it's a little, it's like a, do you know what which one I'm talking about? I
2: bet I can take a guess and I bet it'll be correct. Andolini's? Yes. Yes.
0: yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. We, I think the last time we were at the Pennell World Show, we hit Andolini's three or four, maybe five times during the <laughs> week that we were there. We even bought a couple of t-shirts from that place. We just, that's, that's fantastic. So yeah, I, we certainly as regular visitors to Tulsa and Expo Square, We certainly have our favorite restaurants and shops and so forth to go to. So I bet that does have quite a big impact. So when we talk about, again, the horses, what are some of the largest shows that you host? Pin a World, NSBA and so forth. What are the big ones? I will say
2: as of today, right now, the NSBA World Championship show is by far our largest show that we host. Uh, When you look at it from the standpoint of the amount of horses, individuals, as well as actual total entries go, NSBA is a neat little story. How they started, I was reminiscing, looking through your questions back. I remember in 06, 07, 08-ish, they were around 600 to 700 horses. They followed another larger horse show, the Wright Group Celebration at that time, When the record celebration moved to Fort Worth, it gave NSBA an opportunity to expand, and they have gone from 600, 700 stalls and grown to almost 3,000 stalls um, this year. So it's been fun to work with them and watch them grow, and we have the opportunity to continue to grow with them because they just signed another five-year contract with us. So we're really excited about that. Awesome! And then obviously the Arabian U.S. and half Arabian nationals are held here in Tulsa, actually right after our fair, the middle to the latter part of October. They too really take up our entire campus. They'll have close to around 3,000 to 3,200 total stalls. Their horse count is more around the 1,800 mark. On average, every year. So, as far as horses and actual total entries go, I'm not as large as the NSBA, but they do use a large footprint while they're here. I grew up in the quarter horse world. And so I remember as a little kid going to the quarter horse world show. And I used to think that it was just phenomenal the facades that the different ranches would have and their decor. No horse breed that I, at least I am aware of, does a more the wow factor as far as their setups go as their Arabians. So if you've never been to the Arabian nationals, I encourage you to come and field trip to Tulsa because it is, it is something like you've never seen. It's, it's amazing.
0: It's um, funny that you mentioned that I just happened to stumble upon some stall decorations for the saddle bread, which I know is not held in Tulsa, but I saw some pictures and it, it is truly amazing. And I think of the quarter horse Congress in Columbus, the stall decorations that I mean, can you describe is it is it super fancy? Is it Western themed? I mean, how how does how do they do it?
2: It is just fancy and elegant would be two words that would be probably best described. You walk down through the barn areas. We here internally we call them their living areas because they will take out like a large number of stalls that they've Mm -hmm. leased, you know, to build these massive areas that they entertain throughout the show from chandeliers to people bringing in pool tables and it's just nothing like you've ever, ever seen.
0: Wow. That would be cool to see. Okay. So we've talked about the NSBA. We've talked about the Arabs. What are some of the other breeds?
2: We have the Pinto World Show held annually here in June every year. They have been long term partners of ours. I want to say over at least 30 years here in Tulsa, A lot of history there because Mr. Bilkey can, he's my resident historian because he's been around for so long, but they showed in the old complex with the old barn rows, like one through 30 showed in the old pavilion when the pavilion used to be like the premier coliseum and arena. Oh, Brandy!
0: I, my, I, you know what? And Lynn and I had just talked about that before you and I got on. But my very first world shows were at that old pavilion, and back in the day, I actually was crowned Miss Pinto of America in that facility. So it has such a special place in so many people's hearts. It's a beautiful, beautiful arena and and coliseum, and and I hope that you guys keep it forever and ever and ever.
2: Yeah, that's amazing that you have those memories. That's awesome. Yeah, he's really grown with us. He went through our renovation phases with us and is now he gets to enjoy him and his exhibitors, the wonderful new livestock complex that we have. And he's been instrumental in helping us along the way and being an advisor to that. So we have a great relationship with them. And then we have the Breeders Invitational that basically takes the month of May, it's a cutting horse event. They just celebrated 10 years with us this past year, and so we enjoy our partnership with them. Right now, actually, on our fairgrounds, we are hosting the Tulsa Raining Classic. They, too, have been long-term partners, and it's a very well-ran, very good reining horse event. And then we actually just contracted with the NRBC, the National Raining Breeders Classic, They are moving from Katy, Texas to Tulsa in April of 2022. Another large, I think it's one of the largest and richest reigning horse shows in the country. So we are excited to work with Cheryl Cody and her team. We've had the opportunity to work with them before and we are welcoming them with open arms. We are very excited. And then the month of July for us, we host the POA Congress Mm -hmm. and then the Buckskin World Show. And have had the last two years the opportunity to host the National Appaloosa Show. Awesome. So we are hoping that we can get them to sign a long-term contract and add them to our our calendar as well.
0: Awesome. And actually, as I think back myself, I was at an AMHR Nationals a few years ago with my daughter. She was seven years old and was driving minis. And I... yes.
2: Oh my gosh, I forgot the minis. Yes. Yeah. So They too are one of our. Actually, probably if you're going by horse count, probably our second largest behind the NSBA. Yeah, they will easily have well over 2,000, 2,500 horses while they're here. And they, they move in right after the raining classic. They're mm-hmm. here for two weeks in September, right before we launch our Tulsa State Fair.
0: Yeah, I remember that. And I remember thinking that I really felt that the weather for AMHR Nationals was so much better in September than it was back in June for the Pinnell World Show.
2: (laughs) Yes, yes, it definitely. Oklahoma does have some crazy weather. June, July, August are hottest months and it does start to cool down.
0: That's a great segue. You know, you talk about major weather events and you and I had discussed briefly that you really don't have a recollection of something significant like a tornado or flooding or anything like that. We have been so
2: blessed to not have any major weather events, at least during my 20 years of being here. Mm -hmm. I'm going to knock on some wood. Right. Um, We (laughs) do have emergency management plans in place. And we do regularly as a team go over all the different scenarios and then how we react and manage that. We actually work with our local TEMA to produce our emergency management plans every year. So we do go through tornado drills and high winds and storms and all the things regularly. So knock on one, we've had a few tornado warnings the month of May, plus the Breeders' Invitational they've gone through some of those and we've enacted our plans and have been fortunate that we haven't had any tornadoes actually occur on this 240 acres. We've had wind damage and if you've been in Oklahoma, you know, we're known for some high winds sometimes. Last year during our Tulsa State Fair, the last day of the fair, we actually had to close early because there were tornado warnings around us and high winds and we just we didn't want to take the risk of anyone getting hurt or injured and it yeah. was the best decision that that we made so
0: yeah makes sense so when we think about and it's interesting that you call the facility i call it like the facility or the whatever you you mentioned campus which is an interesting term i work in higher ed so when i think campus i think higher ed <laughs> higher ed institutions universities and so forth but when when you think about the campus at expo square and all the faci- all the buildings all the arenas all the different Jobs. I I can't even wrap my head around the different types of staffing that you have. What are some of the types of jobs that you have there full time? Do the association supply staff when they come in the different breeds? Do you? How do you do that? How do you do your staffing at Expo Square? So
2: when a horse show comes to us and they want to book, they are leasing our facilities, and so with that comes. They're obviously managing their shows, so they have their own staffs and whatever is required of them to make their show operate from their office staffs, ring stewards, judges, etc. Obviously, that's all under their umbrella. So we're part of their team to help them make their show successful on the facility side of things. We have numerous departments on grounds. Our maintenance department, they are our rock They take care of all of the cleaning, the waste management, the trash management, housekeeping falls under that umbrella too. And so keeping all the bathrooms clean, the offices clean, et cetera. And we take a lot of pride here at Expo Square. Our our slogan is safe, clean, friendly, and fun. So safety and cleanliness are very important to us and we take it very seriously. And then we have our security department, which is overseen. Our security manager is actually a Tulsa police officer. Great guy. And so based on the show's needs, as far as the level of security that they want, Jacob helps them with that. And he hires the individuals needed for each show. And then we have our RV park, which the RV park is pretty much its own business, really, where we have individuals that are managing That we have our IT department that works closely with the shows and all their IT needs. I don't feel that I'm that old, but being here 20 years, I have seen so many changes, especially with the implementation of so many shows broadcasting their shows live and just all the different high tech things that we all do these days. So, our IT department is phenomenal and they stay up with all the trends and make sure. All of that runs smoothly while our shows are here. And then we also have our food and beverage department. Um, We do have our own in-house catering service. So from catered meals to concession stands, they're operating and managing those and they can virtually do anything that the show needs or is required of them. And then, of course, our agribusiness department, we work the closest with the shows and the event coordination and making sure that everything is set for them and ready to go, any necessary turnovers. And really just, we work with our partners year round to make sure that their show is successful.
0: You mentioned technology and thinking about back in the day when I was back in that beautiful Art Deco Coliseum, things were not live streamed. No, <laughs> live stream did not exist. It is amazing how much the technology has changed and how exciting is that though? You know, family at home can watch and be a part of those shows, even though they can't physically be there in Tulsa. As you think about going forward, what is the one thing that you wish that you had? Or, or do you have a dream list? Do you, if you could snap your fingers and make something appear, at the Expo square on, on your campus, what would that be? Do
2: you have a do you have a wish list? We actually do have a working wish list, and I'm very proud that over decade and even longer than that now, that we've been able to check a lot of those items off the list. It is our goal going into each year that we can point to something that says we have accomplished this year and it's made Expo Square only better. We started with stall projects back in 2008. We wanted to renovate all of our stalls and purchase brand new stalls. And we accomplished that over a series of years. This year, the projects that are, we're accomplishing by the end of the year, they're not as easily seen by the exhibitor's eyes. The Ford Truck Arena is actually over 20 years old now. It's actually
0: 22 years. And so- That's hard to imagine. It feels it so new and beautiful.
2: Yes. So we are replacing the HVAC units in that facility because they have basically their lifespan has termed out. And that was a $1.5 million project. You know, the facility has been here for quite some time and we were due for some electrical upgrades to keep up with the times. So we're working with our local PSO and that is a $5 million project. So wow. uh, really Putting a lot of investments into the infrastructure, that's just going to continue to help improve and do what we need. For me, there are never enough riding areas and specifically covered riding areas. Mm-hmm. So there are several areas we have been pointed that we would like to cover. I don't know if that's something that will happen next year or the years to come, but definitely have a working list. And we work close with all of our shows and all of our partners constantly asking them, so what can we do better? How can we be better? You know, And what are your needs? And so they help us keep those lists fresh. And then of course, it always comes down to funding and finding a funding source to make those things happen.
0: You know, as I think back to the, all the years that I myself have been to the Pinnell World Show and the AMHR Nationals, I think that's always been something that's impressed me was that I always felt like there was access to practice pens. And to I always felt like there was somewhere I could go to ride or we could do run showmanship patterns with our trainer or so forth. So that's that's definitely, I think, a big positive to Expo Square. I never felt like we didn't have a place where we could warm up and lunge and have access to an area where we could practice at any time of the day. That's, that's a huge positive.
2: That's awesome to hear. Going back to Oklahoma weather, there are certain months where we get a lot of rain. And so covering more of our outdoor arenas is definitely on the top of my list. That's for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. So, that's positive. What's one thing that you wish wouldn't happen at these shows? Do you have a pet peeve? Do you, Is there something that you would like to share with those people who come and show or hang out that you could be like, hey, you know, make sure you close the bathroom door. What is a, a pet peeve that you have at Expo Square? Well,
2: I don't know. It was hard when you asked that question. You know, I'm like, my dad always told me, he was like, find something you love. And you'll never work a day in your life. And I truly don't ever feel like I work a day in my life and really enjoy all the partners and everyone we work with. That set aside, Brandy Herndon, not speaking on behalf of Expo Square, (laughs) one of my pet peeves is sometimes all the dogs and pets that exhibitors bring. And... Don't get me wrong. I am a dog lover, but there are often times where they bring them into the arenas and they let them roam and they're barking during classes and they don't pick up after their messes. Mm -hmm. And so I guess I would have to say irresponsible pet owners.
0: That's so funny. Lynn and I early on in our podcasting we actually released an episode called Horse Show Dogs. And and it's funny because we, we being my daughter and I, we literally purchased a dog from the pound to be our horse show dog. I mean, horse show people like to travel with their dogs. And by and large, I can't think of a single dog I've ever met that I didn't adore. With that said, you make a really good point. We were at a show, I think in Gordyville one year, I don't even, maybe it wasn't even Gordyville, but one of the dogs ran through a trail pattern during the trail class and it's ooh, like, ooh. you know, and that happens. I mean, you, dogs are dogs. So totally understand where you're coming from. Seen it, love dogs too, but yeah, it's the ones that have free reign. I, on the other hand, to be terrified someone would take my dog. So I never let that dog out of my sight. But there you go. So, do you feel like you have? Does Expo Square have competitors? I mean, do you feel like you're in the running, or trying to keep keep breeds or keep shows at your facility? How how does that work? How what is that relationship that you have with other campuses?
2: So, I mean, we all have competitors, right? Mm-hmm. So, with that set aside, I will say other. There are many organizations that we're part of, like the League of Agricultural, Equine Facilities, our IFE, our NOLS-RAMA organizations, where we've had the opportunity to create relationships with a lot of facilities around the country. And oftentimes, I view them more as friends than I do competitors, because awesome. they are the people that you can pick up the phone, like my friends in Fort Worth, and say, hey, how do you operate your feed and vetting store? Uh, want some new fresh ideas and want to make sure that we're doing this right or just sky's the limit as far as questions and there's very few facilities that are our size and deal with the magnitude of size of shows that we do I'm constantly wanting to network and and learn because you can never stop learning especially in this business because we're all always wanting to try to to be better and improve our operations. So like I said, I don't know that I really see competitors. I see them more as colleagues and like a network of friends, but they too, like our calendar, many facilities are full. Because when you think about it, I mentioned some of our larger shows, they literally take up two to three week footmarks on our calendar. So there's very few date availabilities that we have in our calendar. I, and I know like Fort Worth and Oklahoma City, they have full calendars too. So
0: I love that idea of working together. I mean, certainly you have shows that are important to you. They have shows that are important to them. But at the end of the day, we all love this industry and we all want this industry to be successful because... If you have a successful show, that leaves a a positivity into the horse showing experience itself, which can positively impact a show that perhaps is held in Oklahoma City or Fort Worth. So I really love that idea that it's a it's a friendship and collegiality that you have with the others. So hats off to you guys. So as we talk about rounding out this conversation, just about two more questions for you. The first one we want to talk about is security at Expo Square. And then I'm going to wrap up with kind of like what changes do you have on the horizon for Expo Square that you can share? So as we think about security, you know, and it's not just Expo Square. It's it's pretty much any venue that you go to. I mean, there's been theft and crime that have have happened at small shows across the country. But when you think about Expo Square, how do you address that security issue? I know you said that you had a Tulsa police officer who is in charge of your security. What do you do and what recommendations do you have for exhibitors to kind of thwart that threat?
2: So I feel here in Tulsa, we're very blessed that our facility is in a really good part of town. Because I know that I have visited or have had the opportunity to visit a lot of facilities around the country. And unfortunately, they're in some of maybe the not as good part of town. And that can go back to history. You know, a lot of these facilities are more than a hundred years old. Cities have expanded, and unfortunately, some of them are in the older parts of their cities or their towns. But we're in midtown Tulsa, like as you mentioned earlier, we are literally a mile from Cherry Street that has all these remarkable restaurants. We're a mile away from Utica Square. and That's like a higher-end shopping center. And then just right around our campus, Target, Lowe's, Walgreens, Walmart are all our neighbors. We feel like we're in a really good part of town. Anytime that you bring a large gathering of people, I guess that that brings more attention and when you have a large amount of people congregated on your campus, there's potential for things to happen. Our biggest message that we like to shoot out to people is lock your doors, lock your doors. Mm-hmm. You can't say that enough. And I would say that. I say that to my own family. I don't really care where we're at. And don't leave any valuables that are out in the open and that can be seen and easily taken, whether that's in your vehicle or in, a, in your pack stall.
0: Two things. Number one, I have spent a lot of money at that target. And number two, and, and correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, I think I've been coming to Expo Square. boy, I would say for thirty years, probably, with all the print world shows and different shows and so forth, I feel like the neighborhood around Expo Square has actually gotten better through the decades, not gone the other way. Would you agree with that?
2: Seems I like do the, agree.
0: Yeah. The neighborhoods and, are nicer.
2: I would also add to that what I've been noticing is there are a lot of investors that have came around just the surrounding neighborhoods to well, really the north, south, and west of us that are purchasing and renovating houses and have them on the market for Airbnbs. Absolutely. More, yeah. All parts <laughs> driving down the sidewalk, leaving the gates, you know, and going into the neighborhoods. So and I kind of keep a watchful eye on that as well through the Airbnb app.
0: Yeah, more and more of my horse show family members are doing the Airbnb thing versus staying at hotels which are kind of a drive away or perhaps they don't want to be in their living quarter horse trailers or there's just too many of them so they do need to get a house but I've noticed that as well. So that that is pretty exciting. So as we talk about the future for Expo Square do you guys have any plans that you can share or any changes on the horizon?
2: Well, like I said earlier, we continually keep a list of projects, we call them projects and then our wish list. <laughs> so we'll continue to visit with all of our partners and see where we can do better and improvements that are needed to stay competitive with the needs and the wants of the exhibitors and the users of here at Expo Square. That's very important to us and we will continue to do that.
0: Well, Brandy, it certainly has been a pleasure talking with you today. I am so grateful that you took time out of your crazy busy schedule, because I know it's probably just a revolving door at Expo Square. But thanks so much for being on the podcast.
2: Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: So Lynn, I had so much fun talking to Brandy. I learned a lot kind of about the inner workings of Expo Square, because it seems so seamless as an exhibitor, parent. A uh, member of a breed association, you go in there and everything just kind of flows. You take it for
1: granted. You don't realize the brandies behind the scenes making this all happen. Yep,
0: absolutely. So just one more thing I want to add before we finish up this episode. I was curious as to how many stalls are at Expo Square and Brandy said it's usually about 2012 stalls. Those are, those are pretty permanent. NSBA needs at least 3000 stalls and that number is growing. And the Arabian Nationals usually requires about 3,500 stalls and they have the ability to put up temporary stalls and kind of move things around to accommodate pretty much any size of major horse show there. So Expo Square is so near and dear to my heart as I think through my life, decades of visiting there. It is, as we talked about in the beginning, it's hollow ground for so many of us. And so next time you go to Expo Square, check out the Art Deco designs on the pavilion. Look at the golden driller and see if you can note the snow cone stand underneath and everybody just keep making memories at that special place. We are sponsored by Purple Power Equine. Looking to add performance, power, and balanced nutrition? Purple Power Equine has many products that will become essential in preparing your equine athlete for performance. Whether you need to help gut and hoof health or add weight, body and dimension, Purple Power Equine can help bring success to your equine athlete. Gastro power, power up, hoof power, Power Punch,
1: Emergency Power, visit purplepowerequine.com or on Facebook at Purple Power Equine.
0: So that's our story this week. Thank you for joining us. We look forward to spending more time with you and sharing stories of our industry. See you next week.